I've been working secretly. I've been working quietly. But of this be assured, I've been working. There are times when I choose to work in the background and seen and unnoticed by your senses. It's at these times that I call you to walk in faith and in trust, to simply hold on and believe that all the things that I've said shall come to pass. The thing that I'm looking for is that you will not waver, that you will not pull back, that you will not become afraid, that you will not become anxious. So this is another one of those times, but understand this, I'll go from hidden to manifest. From quiet to outspoken. I will go from secret to completely manifest. And you will see the things that you've been hoping for patiently, quietly, waiting for, believing, hoping, trusting for, says the Lord. You will see the manifestation of it. So be encouraged. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You can get your Bible. You can open to kind of like Psalm 92. Let's have a look at God's Word. So I want to have a look at something, and we're going to do some reminding. Everybody say, remind. Remember. And uh, Psalm 92, very powerful psalm. You can also possibly keep your finger around Psalm 89, uh, Luke 4, 18. You can look at, you can look at Isaiah 61. I'm just teasing. But uh, Psalm, but those are some of them. So I'm just going to quickly go to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. I touched on it a few weeks ago. Psalm 92. Remember, we have been in COVID for about a year now. And um, I think it's time for it to be over. Long ago. Okay, Psalm 92. One of the things that I'm keen for us to happen, and it wasn't on the announcements, but we'll get it, get it going, Shireen. Um, we're going to do an outreach to, down into the shopping center. We just want to bring hope and encouragement to people. And uh, we're going to ask the band to sing some nice songs, nice worship songs, nice other songs like, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Amen. And uh, because he lives, all fear is gone. But one of the things that I'm keen for us to do is just to start picking up and get moving now. Is that okay? It's time. It's time. Um, it's almost like our lives were suspended in many ways. And it was almost like church. And I can understand why the mega churches are fighting it. You know, I want to see church full again. It's nice, good attendance this morning. But I want to see church full again. I want to see everybody that belongs to ACF back at ACF. I want us to be here without feeling like we're breaking some law. And I want us to get back to it being a Bethesda. How many of you remember the story of the pool of Bethesda, where the lame man was healed after 38 years? Bethesda, five colonnades or five columns, speaking of grace or mercy. And so Bethesda was a place of grace or a place of mercy. It was also known as a place of flowing water. And I'm keen for the water to be flowing again. And kind of for a year, we've been suspended, you know, hanging on. Is there going to be a lockdown? Isn't there going to be a lockdown? We're only allowed 50 people. Then we're allowed, you know, and I'm glad there's one, two, three, four, five, there's 50 people, which is really awesome. And uh, unfortunately, our maths is not good because two shall be one. So that's one, two, three. We'll work our way around it. Four. We'll work our way around it somehow. Amen. But it's time for us. To get back. And one of the things that happened to me, I mentioned to you last week, I mentioned it to you that um, JD and I watched one of the highlights packages from one of our previous conferences. And the anointing, man, the anointing, the anointing does something, isn't that right? And I was so touched by just watching that. And that's what we're going to do next Sunday night. And then we're going to just be refreshed in the anointing. Is that okay? 
And you know, there are times that we lose focus because we're in a world, we're busy in the world, and the thing that you're busy with may be worldly, but it still is part of the purpose of God. You have to work. Is that okay? You have to raise your children. So we've got to get back to our mandate, our purpose, because your purpose is in your job. It is in your work. You're employed. You need to be there. You've got to function there as a good employee or a good owner of the business. But you've got to function. Is that okay? But we have another mandate. We have kingdom vision. We've got kingdom purposes. We are sons of the Almighty God. We are priests unto God. And so beside your ministry, gifting and ministry anointing, all of us are called and anointed by God and appointed and commissioned to be, first of all, witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And it seems like in the last year, a lot of the churches has gone into, you know, suspended animation. And if we're trying to get back to our purpose. and We're trying to get back to our vision. Circumstances are not allowing us. But I'm convinced now, more than ever, we've got to start doing and moving and getting and going. Amen. One of the things about David, King David, you know, David, it's wonderful to have the Psalms. It's wonderful to have the historical record of his life, particularly in First and Second Samuel. And it's really awesome to have those records because we see that David was very much a man like us. He had feelings, he had emotions, and a lot of those emotions he expresses in the book of Psalms, you know, in the Psalms that he writes. He expresses himself, you know, when the wicked attack him, and he goes like, God, just kill them. You know, just take him out, take out my enemies, slaughter them. And he expresses his emotions, and you see David in the raw, as far as his emotions, as far as his bearing his heart, we saw him sin. We saw, you know, him repent and receive God's incredible forgiveness. So where God says to him, you're a man after my own heart. In other words, you like me. But we saw with David that he went through times. He went through times. One time was when his son Absalom seized the throne from him from his own father, and did a whole lot of despicable things and tried to kill his father, appointed himself as king, his own son. And he loved Absalom because you can read about it in one of the Psalms. Oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom. And, you know, the way that he came to a terrible end, you know, neck caught in the fork of a tree and then one of his mighty men putting some spears through him and things like that. But driven out like a dog. He went through hard times. Is that okay? He went through ups and downs. He went through times, you know, when God was a reality, and other times he was saying, God, where are you? Other times he would persuade himself, and he would say, you know, God, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed down in the depths of the sea, you're there. Where can I go from you? You're, you're everywhere. But there were other times when he felt forsaken. Other times when he couldn't go to the temple. And he was saying, my soul is panting for you like, like a deer, like a, the heart pants after living water. Yeah. He says, even my flesh craves for you. Yeah. He didn't just say, my soul. He said, my flesh. Yeah. In other words, he was saying, I want to have gooseies. Yeah. He was saying, God, I just, I just want to be in your presence. And I want to just have the gooseies running up and down. I want gooseies on gooseies. Gooseies under my toenail gooseies. He said, my flesh is craving for your presence. So David, we can relate to. Amen? There were times, can I say it like this, that he felt extremely anointed. You know, when David poured that oil on him out of the horn, the power of God came on David. He became a different man. He was elevated by the anointing. By that anointing, he was called. By that anointing, he stepped into authority. By that anointing, <laughs> he really attracted the attention of the devil. <laughs> but we won't talk about that, but the anointing of God. And it became something valuable. It's very interesting to me. I was just reading again the story of David and Goliath. And here's this young man, a boy, who, you know, the armor of the king is even too big for him. But the absolute boldness, the absolute confidence 
with which he approaches the enemy lines just to take cheese and supplies for his brothers, you know, because those days the army didn't issue rations. Your parents looked after you while you were in the army. And so he took rations to his brothers. For his brothers, he handed over to the storekeeper because, you know, all the people would contribute. And while he's there, here's the challenge of Goliath. And he goes walking over. All the others, the Bible tells us, are kind of withdrawn and hiding. And yes, this little guy goes up and goes like, huh? what is he saying? And he's offering all this challenge, throwing down, and he's despising the armies of God and in the process ridiculing God. And he goes, hey, and they're all hiding, even his brothers. His brothers get angry with him. And he's like, you know, why doesn't somebody do something about this? It's amazing, there you had Saul, the ex-anointed, whom the Spirit had left, and he didn't even know. God help us that the anointing is not something that leaves and we don't even recognize it. Where we're so used to operating, we continue operating in our own strength and ability, and we wist not, we discern not, We understand not that anointing has lifted or departed or somehow we've neglected the anointing. It was was the ex-anointed. Then there were all the unanointed around. The ex-anointed and the unanointed all acted the same. But praise God, there was the anointed. And one anointed person changed everything. Is that okay? One anointed person said, who is this? I'm not going to go in the strength of my own arm. I'm not even going to carry armor. I have a proven track record of the anointing. I grabbed a lion by its beard and slew it. I grabbed a bear by its fuzzy-wuzzy beard, and I slew it as well with my sword. And the Bible tells us that he ran out to the army lines with a staff and with a slingshot. He didn't even have his sword with him that day. He wasn't expecting to fight. And he takes out Goliath and sinks the stone into his head. And then he takes Goliath's own sword and cuts his head off. And that sword is put into the temple of meaning. And one of the priests were looking after it. And later in battle, he was given it back and he was able to use Goliath's sword. Isn't that amazing? The anointing. Your greatest challenge becomes your greatest weapon. And so the anointing. And David knew how to value the anointing. He proved it from little. And he has this incredible example. David grew. David increased. David excelled. He became the model king after whom Jesus was named, you know, the son of David. He was promised he would never cease to have someone on the throne forever. And there's Jesus on the throne, the son of David. So great, powerful man. But there were times he was rejected. He went to the Philistines for a while. Saul took his wife, Michal, away from him. And it was just not a nice time. But one thing that David maintained all the way through is a respect for the anointing. And then later on in his life, after he had been anointed, he valued the anointing as the greatest treasure. Most to be valued. Is that okay? And so... In 2 Samuel, chapter 1, somewhere around there, chapter 2, David is anointed for the second time in Hebron. He's king over the, just those couple of tribes. Later in chapter 5, the rest of the tribes, I think the other 10 or so, come together and they say, you know, they recognize him. Abner, who was the leader of Saul's army, even came over to him when he saw what one of Saul's sons, Ishbosheth, did. And he came over and he brought the entire army, Abner, and he came and made a covenant with David. You can read this in 2 Samuel chapter 3. And unbeknown to him, it was a a treacherous act, but his leader, Joab, came up, lied to Abner, got him back to a meeting, and then him and one of the other commanders stabbed Abner and killed him. And David wept and cried and mourned for Abner. But it's very interesting that David said something in the middle of this because it looked like there was going to be more bloodshed. He said this, 
though anointed king, he said, today I'm weak. Though anointed king, today I'm weak. David understood something, that even in his weakness, the thing that he needed most was the anointing. David knew where his strength lie. But not only that, David understood something, that the anointing is not conditional upon my feelings. It's amazing that the anointing in our lives can just go quiet and go out of manifestation because of how we feel about ourselves. But if we change the narrative in our minds and we speak to ourselves and we remind ourselves of some things, simply the anointing can come back into manifestation. Because we want it in manifestation. Is that okay? Yeah. We want to be, we need to be operating in that anointing. So here's David, he's heartbroken, there's treachery. He's just been re-anointed as king. And now this devastation, this disappointment. And he's feeling physically, mentally, emotionally weak. And he says, I'm weak, but I'm anointed. David knew how to reactivate the anointing. And I believe that's why also he experienced growth in the anointing. Is that okay? Am I speaking your language? Am I saying something? Are you relating to this? And so the anointing is something that we need to bring back into manifestation. I told you the story, but it's worth reminding you because this morning is about reminding. Is that okay? And um, there have been times in my life where God taught me great object lessons. And the one day I was in church and uh, my cousin and her husband brought a a family member or a friend with, who told me that he needed deliverance. Now, a lot of people think they need deliverance, they don't need deliverance. There's people that don't need deliverance, they need discipleship. Jesus didn't say, go and cast out demons, he said, go and make disciples. Is that okay? And so, we like to look for manifestations, and often it's not. Sometimes it's just a lot of sorrow. Sometimes it's just a lot of pain. Sometimes it's just a lot of pent-up emotion. Sometimes it's predictable behavior. Saints have been trained how to manifest, especially those in big deliverance ministries. They perform to the expectation of the preacher. Anyway, let's, let's carry on. Let's carry on. I'll give you food to think. I know what I'm talking about. And so that's why I don't allow manifestations in church, because they're demonstrations. Devil likes attention. I, I don't allow it. That's why it doesn't happen. Amen. But yet, do people get delivered? Oh, yes, they do. When they listen to the word, they get taught. They come to know the truth, and the truth sets them free. Is that okay? You teach the word, teach the word, teach the word. Any permission, any right that any demon has, it's taken away, taken away, taken away, taken away, taken away. Paul says, don't give the devil a foothold, a foot plaque. And they get discipled in the word, trained in the word, taught in the word. And suddenly, das hien foot plaque. And he has to go. Or it has to go. Amen? You know what my philosophy is? They came in quietly without a fuss. They can leave the same way. You didn't have a manifestation the day that came into your life. They snuck in, secret. We're not here. We're not here. Doing the influence. They leave the same way. Yes, they do. Without performance. Without. Be quiet. That's why I just said be quiet. Be quiet. Get out. Everybody following me? So without performance. So I will even say to the Spirit sometimes, you came in without a performance, you leave without a performance. Because they love attention. Yep, yep. Amen. So what was I saying? Where was I now? Yes. So this family member's came. And he's telling me, no, he needs deliverance. I'm going, oh, yeah, somebody, and they think they need deliverance, and they don't need deliverance. They just need discipleship and training and holiness and things like this. Oh, and yeah. And I had a pounding headache. I had a migraine headache of note. You know, all I wanted to do was hallelujah, hamburger, and go and sleep. I was tired. My head was going, you know one of those, eh? My head was pounding off to the service. 
Now, but I've already made an appointment. So, okay, so let's go. And I'm thinking, Jesus, help me. What am I going to say? What I'm going to do? Because my head is so sore. I mean, I can hardly concentrate. My eyes are sore. So anyway, we go and sit in the house, and Bev offers them coffee, and, and then um, he sits on the chair opposite me. I sit on this chair. My cousin's husband, he's sitting here, Bruce, and uh, Christina is pushing the baby in the pram like this, and um, no, it was the wife of that guy pushing the baby in the pram, and Christina was, I think, standing talking to Bev or something like that. So now he's sitting talking, and he's just telling me about this spirit of lust that he has and all of this kind of thing. And, you know, I'm going to just tell him, you know, sanctify your mind and just pray for him and let them have their coffee and bless you and don't let the doorknob slap your bum on the way out. <laughs> I need panados and I need to go and sleep because my head is sore. So now he starts talking and now he talks and he goes into a full-on manifestation, dives down onto the ground, comes racing across the carpet in the lounge, roaring at me like a lion. And I'm sitting there like this, my head sore, and I'm going like, ah, it's a demon, shucks. <laughs> I want to tell you, I felt about as anointed as a peanut. No presence of God, no anointing, no goosebumps. All I can feel is... <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, I didn't feel like this today. So I was so tired. My head was so sore. I got down on my hands and knees. I crawled over to him, and he's going, rah, rah, and I crawled over to him. I put my arm around him like this, and I said, devil, I'm not scared. Come out. And he went, wow. Went up on his knees. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free for the first time. And yes, I'm free. I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, when he dived onto the ground, he went, Rah! my cousin Bruce did a backflip off the... <laughs> From the sitting, he was sitting. He was sitting. From the sitting position, he went, like this, onto his feet. And he's going, and the wife is going, <laughs> and Christina's going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I said, I'm not afraid of you. Come out. Jesus name. saying, I'm free. I'm free for the first time. I'm free. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Can I tell him to go home now? <laughs> My head. And afterwards, I said to the Lord, now what was that experience about? And I said, yes, Lord, because I didn't, hey, I didn't feel anointed. I didn't feel like, just one command. The guy said, free. And he said, no. The Lord said to me, no, I organized that today because I need to teach you that your authority is not connected to your feelings. So David says, hey, today I'm weak, but I'm anointed as king. Come on, church. Am I talking your language? doesn't matter what you've been through, what you're going through. It doesn't matter. You are still anointed. Can we turn to a scripture verse? Can we? 2 Corinthians 1. And um, I think it's 20 and 21 or 21 and 22. When the Apostle Paul writing says something so amazing, you know. And uh, he tells us three aspects of the Spirit in our lives. <clears throat> I mean, and it's magnificently. He says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Everybody read it with me? He? Is that like a past tense? It's like a past tense thing. He's anointed us. Is that right? Next verse. He said his seal of ownership on us by the Spirit in our hearts as a deposit and put his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. As a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Threefold action of the Spirit. But does it say He anointed us? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then He's the Christ. Is that right? Yeah. Which means anointed one. Yeah. And so we don't retire, we refire. Is that all right? The enemy is always looking to retire your anointing. Yeah. We've got to refire our anointing. Yeah. Is that good? And so here's David and he says, I'm weak but I'm king. 
And David goes into action in the next, not chapter 3, but chapter 5. He's anointed then over all the 12 tribes of Israel. David knew what to do. David knew it was important to meditate that anointing in order for it to be manifest. Everybody say, meditate your anointing. So say this morning, I'm going to meditate my anointing, and it's going to be refreshed. And so it's interesting how many Psalms David wrote that were prophetic that the New Testament Bible writers quote. Jesus himself quoted some of David's Psalms. Anointed man. But in Psalm 23 verse 5, they say that Psalm 23 was written about the time that Absalom went into his rebellion. And David was running away from his own son because his own son was trying to kill him. And Psalm 23 was written at a time like this. They say it was written at an extremely bad time in David's life. It was written when he was extremely low. And so he knows what it is to shepherd. He knows what it is to care for not only physical sheep, but to care for his people as the Lord's flock. He knows what it is to be a shepherd. And he realizes that God himself is shepherding me. Therefore, I shall not be in want of anything. Now, it's really interesting if we can go through from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not be in want. And David was in a place of dire need. Verse 2, and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. Verse 3, he says, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's what David was walking through, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows or runneth over, you anoint my head with oil. God, you keep the anointing on my life fresh. Is that okay? And so here's David, and one of the things he knew, I need the presence. I need to be fed by God. I need the green pastures. I need sustenance. I need, I'm in need. But one of the things that he brings right in at the end, I need joy again. I've lost my joy. That's why he said my cup will overflow. But the other thing was, he was saying, you anoint my head with oil. I don't know about you, but I think it's time for a fresh anointing. Is it okay? And so you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Psalm 89 verse 20. Now these are the meditations you will see of Ethan the Israelite. Ethan was meditating, but he wrote this psalm for David. And he says in Psalm 89 verse 20, speaking from God's perspective, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I've anointed him. Now David wrote psalms. Other psalmists were writing psalms. David would reflect on those psalms. This is one that David would reflect on. And he would go, yeah, God's found me. He selected me. He chose me. He called me. Can I get an amen? Amen. If, If I'm speaking to you this morning, that's why you're here this morning. Isn't that right? He said, with my sacred oil, my anointing oil, I have anointed him. Now, David knew what it was like. He watched Saul receive the anointing, become a different person, but then he let his heart run away with him. He experienced it himself. He felt the power of that anointing. He knew that when he killed the lion and the bear, it wasn't his own strength. He knew when I took out Goliath, it was the same thing that came on me when the bear came running and the lion came running. I understand the anointing. Once you've operated in the anointing as you have, long enough you realize, I can't do without it. Cannot do without it. The anointing is the presence of the Spirit, but it's the presence of the Spirit in manifestation. So David said, he would quote this. Psalm 92 verse 10. They say David wrote this when he was anointed for the third time in 2 Samuel chapter 5 over all the 12 tribes of Israel is when he wrote this psalm. And he said, my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. 
In other words, what David was saying, my strength, the horn, it's like that of a wild ox. When the ox lifts his head, you know, the buffalo lifts his head and the lion's trying to pull its head down. You know, he said, the anointing always helps me to lift my head because the anointing strengthens me. Church, come on. If we've got tired and we got weary and if we are just treading water and it feels like a little bit that we're at a bus stop waiting for this bus that's too long coming, then what we need is our strength exalted and it comes by reason and virtue of because of the anointing. Because it's the Spirit of God coming into manifestation on us and in us and we're anointed. Woo! Listen, the devil knows when it's not in manifestation and he knows when it is. Is that okay? Can I put it another way? Your issues, your troubles, your problems, your difficulties, your lack knows. There's one thing the enemy hates is when you're walking in the consciousness, the awareness of. He loves it. If he can't stop you getting born again, can't stop you getting the spirit, he will do his best to keep you distracted, not focused. Is that okay? Come on, we need to be back sharing with people, talking to people, praying for people. I mean, if ever there was a time that people needed us, is now. They don't need us to be quiet. They don't need us to have hands withdrawn. People need us to be operating in that which is in us and that which is upon us. I like what Prophet Kribus used to say, the anointing is something that's in us and that comes up on us. That's why it's like a presence on you. That's why it's like a mantle. Is that okay? So David says, my horn you've exalted like a wild ox. I've been anointed with fresh oil. One of the things that can help us in recovering the anointing is to recover the sense of the presence of God. That same psalm, Psalm 92, David talks about it. You can read it for homework sometime this week, 89 and 92, powerful psalms. But Psalm 92, David talks about it. He said, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Same psalm. In fact, it starts with the next verse. After, you know, fine oils have been poured upon me. Now he talks about the effect. He says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Listen to this. They shall bear fruit, still bear fruit in old age. So in other words, you'll be strong. In other words, you'll be well watered. In other words, you'll be secure, planted in the presence of God. In other words, you will still be fruitful. That's why I say to my brother, there's no retirement in the anointing because you are still fruitful in your old age. Amen? They shall be fresh and flourishing. Flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He's my rock and there's no unrighteousness in Him. Amen? You'll be fruitful with what you declare, with what you speak. Come on, church. I mean, this is really awesome. You know, if you remind yourself of your identity and purpose, you can remind yourself of the anointing and it can be refreshed. I mean, you can remind yourself you're a priest, a king, you're a son. You can remind yourself that you're an ambassador for Christ, that as though Christ is making his appeal through us for the world to be reconciled. There's so many things that we can say. We can remind ourselves of the commission, Mark 16, 15 and 16, Matthew 28, 18 and 20, where he told us, we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover, you know, scorpions, demons, thou, devils, out, gone, Jesus' name. Amen? And so Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. If we remind ourselves, sometimes by videos, like me and JD did, and we're sitting here blabbing like two babies, but the presence of God, oh my goodness, the presence, the anointing, it just made me so hungry again for the anointing, amen? It made me so hungry, I just got like, Jesus, I want everybody back in church, I want to lay hands on everybody and let's get out there and do this stuff again. 
So we've already read. Now he establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God. who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Bev's been doing some study and she's really come up with a, a thing and she was explaining it to Ian and Shireen this week of just the power of recovering your peace. It's amazing how when your peace gets fractured, you lose so much of the consciousness of the thing that I'm talking about. Prophet Kerbis used to teach and used to say it often. And uh, over different topics he would say it. But he would always say, John, get your peace back. Get your peace back. The anointing operates out of peace. Out of a confidence in God. What do you say? Peace. When you haven't got peace, your mind is spinning. When you haven't got peace, your mind is fractured. When you haven't got peace, your mind is not focused. When you haven't got peace, the biggest thing to do is to get your peace back. Just get back your peace. Get back your peace. Where did you lose your peace? It's amazing how I'm going to change it and change what I talk about, but the power of five minutes in five minutes, you can have your peace back. Dr. Wayne Dwyer, I was listening to him, told you the story a few times, but it, it's worth repeating, where I just went through a, a, a time when I, I'd allowed negative thoughts to come in, and, and I was even having like bad dreams and things like this. And one night, I had a bad dream that someone got into the house and was attacking Amy in her room, and I let out a scream. And, and when I found myself, I was standing next to the bed, ready to run in and go and fight. And then I realized, no, this was a bad dream. And I just thought, Lord, what, what is this about? This is ridiculous. That's overs. And I taught myself that, and then I heard Dr. Wayne Dyer saying it. And he talks about the power of the last five minutes. He says, your, your subconscious mind will work overnight on what is in your conscious mind the last five minutes before you go to sleep. So if you're sitting stressing about the day and panicking about the day, when you go to sleep and your conscious mind gets quiet, the subconscious, your spirit man, comes alive and is working, or your soul man is working and it infiltrates your spirit and will work on that through the whole night. And I realized that I was going to bed troubled. And then I heard him say it, and then I started practicing it. Well, I started practicing it really, but then I practiced it even more is that when I get into bed, I don't think about all the problems of the day and the shortages of money or this and that. I don't think of those things. I think tomorrow is going to be an awesome day. Amen. I think tomorrow I'm going to be anointed. Tomorrow I'm going to prophesy to people. Tomorrow I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Tomorrow this, tomorrow. And I would wake up in the morning with a sense of God's presence. Wake up in the morning and I'm like, I'm excited and I could feel the anointing. So let's not make it the last five minutes, the power of five minutes. How about in five minutes that we sit and we meditate on the anointing? We don't meditate on our problems. We meditate on the thing that will be the solution to that problem, which is the anointing. That we meditate, man, wow, you know, I'm going to leave here and it's going to be so anointed. I'm going to walk in the presence of God tomorrow, this rest of this week. I'm going to be solving problems. And, you know, I just, man, the anointing is so attractive and and so powerful, I'm going to have words of knowledge for people, prophecy for people, I'm going to lay hands on people. God is going to touch them. Man, I see money coming into my account. I'm going to settle debts and settle bills. Power of five minutes. What can five minutes do? It can change a whole lot of things. So what did Job do? You know the story of Job, eh? Arama Job. Job. He did it. He did it just before his breakthrough. He did it. Job 29. He did it. He took the power of five minutes. Read Job 29. He says, oh, that I was as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me. He was starting to remind himself, yeah, if it was just like those days. You remember those days when God was close, God was present. You could feel God. 
It was hallelujah in the shower, hallelujah on the toilet, hallelujah in the car, hallelujah at work. Wherever you went, you could feel, you know, glory in the church, glory, at, uh, glory washing the dishes, glory, uh, glory, glory, you know. Remember those days? And he says, when his lamp shone upon my head, and when by his light I walked through the darkness. Jesus, those days were awesome. You start thinking like that, brother, sister, something is going to change. He says, just as I was in the days of my prime. It's about Job 29, verses 2 to 6, then 14, and then verse 20. Just in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent. Yo, doesn't that sound good? The friendly counsel of God was over my tent. It's just like I just couldn't hear how hearing God. You know, I turned and I had a problem and I heard God and it was fixed. And then I did this and it was like I heard God and it was going like, wow, those were awesome days. What's he doing? He's doing what I'm sharing with us to do this morning. Is that okay? And he says, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me. Listen to what he says. When my steps were bathed in cream. And, the, you know, most times like, he's like walking through mud. And now we're going like, whoa, it's like I'm walking in cream. Yo, my feet feel good. And he says, and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. Yow. Is this awesome? It was like, yo, it didn't matter what I did. I was anointed. I was anointed. The rock was just pouring out. There was a richness. There was a fatness. It was an awesome time. He said, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. And listen to what he says. My glory is fresh within me and my bow is renewed in my hand. That's verse 20. I want you to notice that it's now back into the present tense. It's not the past tense. It was the past tense as he was meditating. Something happened and he says, my glory will remain fresh in me now and the bow ever new in my hand. Because he learned how to just go back, now just to remind and to reclaim and to reclaim peace, to reclaim the presence of God, how to set his heart at rest in the presence of God. Let me just talk about, it's sometimes one of the things that we lose is we lose zeal. We lose zeal. We lose that enthusiasm. We lose that excitement, you know? And sometimes we just got to go back and remind ourselves, Isaiah prophesying about God says, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. Listen, you don't go and fight. You don't go and do anything unless you're zealous about it. You don't see a soldier going, okay, I'm going to go and fight now. I'm going to, I'm going to defeat the enemy. You know, there's certain warriors. I don't know if, you, if you've even seen, you know, gorillas and chimpanzees, they beat their breasts. I think it's the hypothalamus gland, whatever it is, sits here. And there's a medical fact for it, that when you hit it like this, that's why often you'll see even boxes, they do it subconsciously. When they go in, they, they do this, you know. I'm Tarzan, you know. <laughs> and all the women are going, Pff. And it's, uh, <clears throat> but there's something that stimulates it. Because they're going to go into action, and so that hypothalamus would be stimulated. And you know, so sometimes we got to get a hold of our spiritual hypothalamus and say, "I'm anointed. We're going to go lands, and that this is going to come, and that's going to happen." And it's like, "Amen." Stir up ourselves into zeal. Sometimes we need to just get a little bit excited. And there's so many verses. Proverbs tells us that. Jesus, in John chapter 2, verse 17, when they saw Jesus clearing the temple, John says, it was written, we remembered it was written about him, zeal for my father's house will consume me. He got all excited. It was like, no, this is not wrong. This is wrong. You know? And he cleared the temple. Zeal for his house. One of the reasons why God gives us zeal and excitement is to be zealous and excited about his stuff. Amen? We need to stir ourselves up in zeal. That's one way of reclaiming. Amen? And uh, last thing. One of the things that you see about David is that David was really good at changing his mind. You would read some of his psalms where he would be upset. He would be 
despondent where he would be saying, God, kill them. If, the, if you don't kill them, kill me. <laughs> you know, just, you know, get me out of here, whatever. But even in those Psalms, you read as David's thinking changes and you get this many, there's many, uh, too many, you go, you, I think you know anyway. But there's many Psalms and you read and as he goes down, you know, you will go like, but he's been good, you know, and yet will I praise him and I'll lift my hands and I'll extol him. <laughs> and by the end, he's not whinging, he's praising, you know. David was so good at changing his mind. Changed his mind. I think that we need to change our minds a little bit and start to talk to ourselves, reclaim the peace, reclaim the presence, reclaim our purpose. We need to change our minds into a positivity. Listen, God didn't heal anyone by someone who was negative and didn't believe. God never broke through for me when I was negative and when I didn't believe. God always broke through even if I was fighting to be positive and believe, God broke through. Is that okay? And I think we need to be in the place where it's like, uh, you know, all the people that say, oh, well, does Jesus heal today? He doesn't do any healing for them. Does God really provide? No, he doesn't. <laughs> Not for you anyway. I don't know if you've noticed, it's the ones that are going like, yo, God's provision and da 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 You know those people that irritate you sometimes because they're so positive. You know those people? Yeah, it's you. That's you. And, and, and it's like, no, Jesus provides. God provides. God's going to come through, you know? And God's going to do it. And uh, you don't like to hear them on days that you're feeling low, but you need them there. Because they spur something. They start something. And that's how David was. I mean, he was hyper-positive. When he confronted Goliath, just go and read how positive he is. Today I'm going to have your head, you. You know? And Goliath saying, well, what is it with this army? They send out, am I a dog that they send you out? You know, Goliath's got an armor bearer who's carrying his shield ahead of him, who's carrying the javelin and, and other, you know, weapons of destruction. And David's coming with a little stocky, you know, that he played clay light with. He's got his little stocky and his little sling. He hadn't even taken it out. He wasn't even ready going, yes, look, Jesus, help me. He wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't have it. The Bible says when he got to Goliath, that's when he took the stones out and took the sling. And he got Goliath. But you listen to him. So positive. He didn't go, I hope like, wish like, yes like, maybe, miskin umtrent. I'm going to kill you today. He didn't have to convince himself. He was so positive. I'm going to kill you. Come on, how do we talk to our issues? Are we talking to them and in the process trying to convince ourselves or are we persuaded? Are we negative trying to speak positive or are we positive speaking positive? <laughs> Come on, church. So we need, to, we need to remind ourselves, you're all anointed. All of you are anointed. Christians were called Christians because they were like Christ. Because when... When the Pharisees saw, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, when they saw the disciples, they took note. These men had been with Jesus. They saw the confidence. They heard the power. They'd seen it in the miracles. Peter and John healed the lame man at the gate beautiful. There was something they sensed. They felt it. They acted like. They spoke like. They shone like. Their faces shone like. When they looked in the eyes, they recognized those eyes. The same light that shone out of the eyes of the Son of God was shining and beaming out of the eyes. Come on, I think it's time. We've had COVID long enough. I think it's time for us to have that anointing in manifestation again. Amen. Where with confidence we go, no, that's not a problem. I can pray for you. That's not an issue. I can set you free. That's not a problem for God. Let me pray with you, and God is going to break through for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, we need to crave that anointing and say, God, 
you like a deer. Yo, look at my gooses. Hey, I love the gooses. We need to be saying, I crave you. My flesh, my flesh desires you, my flesh. I want just that, that feeling. There's nothing like the feeling of the anointing. A couple of trips back, I told you the story. I was in the Kruger Park. And I walked in and uh, introduced myself. And the lady said, now I remember you. And, you know, I um, told her I was a pastor. And, and she said, I want to speak in tongues. I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, no problem. And uh, I said, I'll be here at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. And uh, she said, I'm off tomorrow, but I will come in. I'm not on duty. And we walked into the office and there she was waiting. She was all excited. She jumped up. And uh, she said, let's go through to the office. She spoke to the other gentleman, and then he went behind the counter on duty. We went into the side room, and I just spoke to her, asked if she knew Jesus. She did. She did. <clears throat> Led in a simple prayer, just reaffirming her knowledge of Jesus. And then I said, right, baptism in the Holy Spirit is this, 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 this. I said, you want it? She said, yes. I said, well, just remain seated. She said, no, 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 I want to stand for this. I prayed for her, and she got so drunk. She got filled gloriously in the Holy Spirit. She fell back into her chair, speaking in tongues. And Nicole and I were sitting then. We sat down and we were just speaking in tongues and praising God. We were crying. And then uh, gave her booklets and stuff. She could not stop speaking in tongues. I was on holiday. I was in the Kruger. But I'm still anointed. But that manifestation, that is, it's, um, it's awesome. It's to be desired. It's to be treasured. It's to be maintained. Amen. And we just keep that sense of it because we've got a purpose. Learn how to anoint yourself. Learn how to stir up that zeal. Learn how to stir up the anointing into manifestation. Amen. Be refreshed. Be purposed. Be at peace. Be aware of His presence. Be anointed in Jesus' name. The Lord has found His Davids, His anointed ones. Anoint your servants with fresh oil. Exalt their strength like that of a wild ox. Though some may be weak, Lord, they're anointed as kings. Priests, anointed sons. So be blessed. Have an awesome, powerful, fruitful week. In Jesus' name. And all the saints agreed and said, Amen. 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 Amen.